Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Pastor Hayden here, and joined with me is Pastor Evan. And here at our church at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You try it this time by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. We talked about training. We did today. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. We have started a new series entitled Trials and Triumph, and this first sermon is all about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. New series, new chapter. New series, new chapter. But they, the chapters were originally... Same story. Yeah. Same story. <sighs> all right. You want to read? Well, it's the temptations of Jesus. There's a lot there. So just there for is. the sake of time... Okay, you just want to ask questions. For the sake of time, we're going to move on to the sermon focus. But so essentially, is the Spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted go. by the devil. And after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted three different times by Satan, defeating him, and Satan left him. And is, what does Luke say? After G, uh, the Satan left him, to, he left oh, him. until an opportune time. So it wasn't done yet, but this was the initiation of the, yep. the battle, the war. And behold, behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I think in that time I could have read it, but you know what? That's, you know, it's you okay. did a good job summarizing it. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, you know, it is easy for us to, as you mentioned in your sermon, to just directly apply to go, oh yeah, Satan tempts me in my provision and tempts me with trusting in God's timing and trusting in God's plan. But that's not the focus of this passage or this sermon. What is the focus of this sermon and, you know, passage? Yeah, the, the focus of this entire sermon is about the work of Christ who conquered sin and conquered the temptations of Satan, his flesh, his fleshly desire to live outside of the will of God, the thing that we failed and the thing that all creation has failed since Genesis. And Christ had come to fulfill that mission of being the perfect man. And so... In that way, we need to correctly define the earthly ministry of Jesus and this mission of him, particularly in the wilderness, if we want to comprehend his assignment to conquer Satan and conquer the power of sin in our own lives. We have to understand what these 10 verses are about, what these 11 verses are about, if we're really going to uh, trust and understand the work of Christ and how we would apply these 11 verses, because although it is all about the work of Christ, there is some applications and implications of this text and our own battle against temptation and Satan. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, as life group leaders, it is important for us to know this text as we you know, sh- you know guide and shepherd you know, our life groups this week. You mentioned not all the themes, but you mentioned three of the main themes of this text. What were the three themes well, the three themes are the three layers, I would suppose, that you should keep in mind when you are uh, going through these 11 verses would be, one, would be you understanding the Genesis narrative that underlies this with Adam and Eve and the serpent tempting them in the garden, which is just interesting because Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, which is really the absence of the garden. Well, actually, I have a thought on that in Go just ahead. a moment. Go ahead. Well, it's finished, but do the second layer, then I can actually <clears throat> talk about the cake. Okay. Uh, and then, so you have that picture working. Uh, you also have the other layer of Israel in the Exodus and disobeying God and being in the wilderness for 40 years. And then you have Jesus being in the wilderness for 
40 days. And so there's your second layer, and that's actually where you see a lot of the back and forth of Jesus quoting Deuteronomy, going back to uh, the second generation of the Israelites in the wilderness, and how Moses says, this is what God wants of you when it comes to you not forgetting him and trusting in him and his provision. And Jesus continually goes back to those promises of God uh, in Deuteronomy to uh, fight the temptations uh, of, of Satan and his fleshly desire to not follow God as his rationale of why he should and why he will follow God. And then thirdly is the actual particular context that we're actually in, the immediate context of the verse of Satan and and Jesus there uh, in this scene and how Christ has come to conquer Satan uh, in this particular context. And you should keep all of those in mind as you're interpreting these 11 verses, which is just, it's, a, it's hard to do anyway. And this is why even in your life group, we can encourage, this is why we do the D- DBR, the daily Bible reading, where we read the entire Bible in a year so that we can keep the entire you call it the meta narrative, the mm-hmm. grand narrative of the Bible in the forefront of our minds as we do other, maybe other devotions and you know, personal devotions in your life, but making sure that we are doing the daily Bible reading so that we can see the entire portrait God is trying to paint for us. And so with those three layers, um, your life group leader says something helpful that you can maybe share with your life group is that um, you have a garden, a, perfect, a perfected state where Adam and Eve were gone. They're tempted in a garden, all right? And then there's the temptation of Israel in the wilderness. Well, Jesus does it backwards. He is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days representing Israel. And then where is this great and final temptation that, you know, he's probably tempted along the way, but he's tempted in the garden of Gethsemane and saying, let your will be done instead of his own, where it's the temptation reverse of Adam and Eve in the garden. So there's a garden scenes, which leads into us being back in the presence of God again through Christ. And so that's just a, a small tidbit of what the whole portrait God is painting in the book of Matthew. But it's, you know, tempted in the garden, tempted in the wilderness, tempted in the wilderness, tempted in the garden, which with this focus is tempted in the wilderness, which still addresses the fall. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, shifting to your points, you know, first point was for us is to trust God over our feelings. Um, I wrote down a question uh, for us, and with this temptation in particular, where this led to this point, what ways did Adam and Israel fail in the first temptation in kind of more greater detail? You, you didn't have a lot of time in the sermon to expand upon this, but for us to really understand, uh, for us to um, trust God over our feelings, we kind of need to understand how did Adam and Israel fail in the first place? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at <clears throat> Genesis 3, uh you have, well, I'm looking at it now, you, for God knows. So when the woman, in verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So I mean, even there, the appetite of her eyes and her, her, her desires uh, proved to be uh, the factor in her disobeying God, because she trusted her feelings and her own appetites and her own desires, and Adam uh, and impl- implicated because he was right there, over the objective truth that God said, do not eat this, for when you do, you will surely die. I mean, there's a great example, uh, and we see that over and over again in the covenants of God to Israel, 
because you have Jesus saying, if you will obey me and live for me, you will be blessed. And if you do not, you will be cursed. And over and over again, Israel took their desire of their own feelings and their own appetites and chose them all the time over God. And actually, you're going to see this life group leaders, I encourage you to read, it may be helpful for you to read Deuteronomy 6 through 8 to kind of give a general idea of what Jesus is referring to. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 in uh, verses um, past 3 and 4, in verses uh, 6 through on, God's saying, hey, I'm about to bring you into a land with brooks of water and fountains and springs and you know, flowing out of the hills and valleys, land of wheat. He's like, you're about to go into a really good place and you're going to forget about me. Don't forget about me. Make sure don't you, uh, verse 11, take care lest you forget the Lord and your God by not keeping his commandments and rules because you forget because your feelings are so attached to the good things that God has given you. Yeah, and there's the answer to your question. All right. Well, then the second question is, what are maybe a couple practical practical ways that we can help our life group overcome their real feelings about you know, over to overcome those real feelings to obey God instead? Well, we have to understand that our feelings are not God. Like our feelings don't get to dictate and direct us. They may be real, and because they're real, they may be valid feelings, and that's you actually feel that way, but they aren't God, and they aren't worthy of us making decisions based on those feelings. And so we always have to ask, are we making decisions based on objective moral truth of God's Word and God's promises, or are we making this decision based on how we feel? And I mean, I think that's, you know, that's particularly important if you're looking at the direct context of Matthew 4, 1 through 11, because Jesus, if he were to make decisions based on how he felt in the moment, he would never be making the right decision, but he never did. He always trusted God and God's promises over his own feelings. Which leads to the three ways of application. So as life group leaders, how can we, you know, as a reminder, or maybe explain the three ways of application that you gave us under this first point? One is entrust your circumstances in the path of obedience to the will of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Simply that as you're obeying God and you're in uncomfortable situations or in situations where your feelings make you feel otherwise or make you think otherwise, you need to entrust your circumstance to the path of, in your path of obedience to the will of God. Like what is God's will in this situation? Well, God's will in the situation is never to allow your feelings to dictate your decisions. It's always to allow God's word to dictate your decision and entrusting yourself to the working power of the Holy Spirit in your life to give you the power to say no to sin and yes to the will of God. Secondly, to discern how your feelings or your appetites could be misguiding you. It's always good for you to look and say, how could me being very tired cause me to have a desire to live outside of the will of God? How does me failing over and over again uh, actually, in a lot of ways, guide me to even do more sin? Because it, what does it matter? I've already failed so many more times. I mean, these are feelings that you'll have, but you need to ask yourself, how is that a misguided approach to living in the will of God? And then thirdly, examine the scriptures for direction concerning God's will in your circumstances. Uh, it's always important for you to continually go to scripture as the uh, foundation for understanding God's will in your life, and you should examine scriptures daily to, uh, yeah, to understand and know God's will. Well, which leads into your second point, don't abuse God's word. Uh, first and foremost, you know, Pastor Hayden, how can we know ourselves, even as life group leaders, and how can we then turn and help our life group, 
how can we help them see like, hey, this is a way you can test to see if you are abusing God's word to get what you want. And how can, what's a test? That test, like here's a once and for all test, but what are some ways that we can see signs in our lives, maybe, you know, patterns that can reveal like, hey, this is a concerning thing that this is happening because you're saying you're following God's word, but really you're abusing it. How can we, how can we see in ourselves? And also how can we turn and help our life groups? I mean, it's a hard question to answer because there could be a million different ways that you're doing this and a lot of different ways, I guess, to figure it out that you're doing it. Uh, I think being in community is always going to be helpful uh, because if you're in a good godly community, they're not going to allow you to be manipulating scripture and that's good for you. You, know, you think, well, how dare they call me? It's like, no, no, it's a good thing not to be manipulated, not to be manipulating scripture and not to be abusing God's word. And if you're around people uh, and you're doing that, and you're around good godly people who love you, they're going to call that out in you. So yeah, I think being in community is going to be super helpful uh, for that. Being at a Bible teaching church that tells you and helps you apply the word of God uh, is going to help you not abuse God's word. And really it's about the regeneration of your soul through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, you, you if you want to, you can manipulate scripture all you want. It doesn't mean that it's God's will. There's people in our world that'll be abusing God's word until the day they die. Um, and you can't, you're not going to be able to fix that. But you've got to make sure that you're in a kind of community where you have people who will help you understand and rightly handle the word of truth, and also that you are willing to be accountable to what the Bible actually says instead of what you want it to say. Which leads into the application you gave us into tanning to then, always, and now. So as life group leaders, how can we you know, communicate not not just how, how to tan, but how can we can communicate the importance of why you know tanning is vital to make sure that we're not abusing God's word? Well, you're never going to be able to uh, you're never going to be able to consistently interpret Scripture accurately if you don't use a process similar to tan. And it doesn't have to be tan. Tan's just the simplest way that I've ever heard it taught. It's the same hermeneutics that you you're, you learn in seminary, just in a greater uh, capacity and more nuanced, but Tan is just a simple hermeneutics of what did it mean then? What is it? What is the principle that it always applies to the Christian life? And then how can we take that principle and apply it into my life now? I mean, that's necessary if you want to accurately interpret Scripture. Does that mean that if you didn't use tan, that you would never be able to understand Scripture? No. Uh, it just means you're more likely to get it wrong at different times, depending on what you're reading, uh, because there are things in the Bible uh, that I think are pretty simple. Uh, when James says in uh, at the beginning of James that everyone needs to be uh, slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Well, okay, it didn't take didn't take much to figure out when to apply that or how to apply that. It tells me. Well, so yeah, I mean, there are times you're going to be able to do that pretty easy, but a lot of times Scripture is not as straightforwardly simple to apply as that verse in James. And so you're going to need to uh, use a hermeneutical approach to be able to understand what Scripture is teaching from Genesis to Revelation. All right, and then right after that, that leads into your third point. We understand what Scripture is truly saying, and then we have to actually follow it, to actually really submit ourselves to it, which is point number three, submit to God in uh, all things. And so, Pastor Hayden, um, 
why is it important to remember that Satan is going to tempt us with things that God wants us to give, but in the wrong order? How Christ, you know, God, Christ is going to have the nations. Christ is going to have the world. The world is going to know that he is the Christ, but Satan was trying to do it in such a way that it was out of order and against the will of God. Why is it important for us as life group leaders to remember this and to convey this to our life groups that, hey, this is how Satan's going to strategize against us? Yeah, there's a lot of good things. Uh, I mean, can we just get, let's get kind of very practical in a in a culture where this is kind of taboo, at least to talk about, but it's very relevant. I mean, sex is a very good thing, <gasps> right? Sex is a very good thing. A, a legitimate blessing and promise of God for enjoyment within the context of marriage. Very good thing. Nothing wrong, period. However, out of order, used in an illegitimate way outside of the context of marriage, it is not only... Uh, an illegitimate use of it. It is a sinful way to use it outside of the will of God, knowing that you're not in the will of God practicing sexual relations outside of the context of the marriage of a man and a woman. I think that's a very good example of the need to submit to God in all things, and that even includes the right things in the wrong order, because the right things in the wrong order are wrong. All right, so maybe let's say we have someone in our life group who is beginning to realize their things have been out of order for a long time and it seems kind of hopeless where they know they need to change and want to change or they see they need to change and kind of feel intimidated by the change. What can we do to give them hope to say, no, just because it's been out of order for decades maybe, what is the hope that we can give them? Well, the work of Christ is powerful enough, and I don't just mean enough that it is powerful for all things, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you're given because of the work of Christ is way more powerful and omnipotent uh, than you could ever be. And so really, when you can trust and rely on the work of the Spirit, change will happen. And I don't just mean that as a platitude. What I mean for you is you your reliance on the work of the Spirit is going to allow you to change. And here's what I mean by that. Well, I've had the Spirit for years. Okay, well, let's hope you have, okay? Let's hope that is the truth and you are saved. And if that is, uh, it is the fact that it's being brought to your remembrance and to your attention through the Word of God. A lot of times that's what's missing in the Christian's life is, yeah, you may have all of these desires and all of these convictions of what needs to change, but you don't have, you've not used the Word of God to produce the wisdom and the knowledge of God's will to allow those changes that take place in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that could be the problem. And so if that's the problem, it's a good thing that you want to commit to a church that has Bible teaching, and then that, through uh, also the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to produce change in your life. And if not, you're going to be fighting the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be drug into sanctification. Uh, or if you're still like, I just, it doesn't matter, all those things don't work, then we have to highly question the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life, which is a salvation conversation. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden. Uh, with our applications, qu application questions this week, is there any direction you want to have uh, they can give us with these questions? Um, I'd, I'd like to think particularly which one. Uh, yeah. All of them. I mean, I don't know about all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think uh, looking at question number five, talking about the right things in the wrong order is important to your life. 
uh, and I mean it's so applicational. It's like, okay, there are a lot of things that are good and are in the will of God, but just like the kingdom was always going to be Christ, it could have been his illegitimately outside of the will of God. Consider how that impacts your life when you think of the way that even the right things in the wrong order in your own life are wrong and outside of the will of God and how you should uh, be able to look at your life and apply in your own life the dangers of putting the right things in the wrong order. And maybe there are some things that you need to put in right order in line with the will of God. And one last thing with the application question, Pastor Hayden. Question four and five are going to touch on, uh, let me say it this way, we might step on people's toes. And so as life group leaders, how can we be gentle and clear and still stand on the firm foundation of Christ, but yet be able to help gently and patiently navigate people as we say, hey, this is what it means to look like to submit to God in this realm of your life, work or kids or your wife, or you, as you talked about, the order of things within your home. Yeah, it's uh, ask them, what does the Bible say about that? And that's it. You're, you're, never, you're never pitting people against people. It's You're saying, hey, if that's your thoughts, what does the Bible say about that? And just know, we're talking about family. Go to Colossians, go to Ephesians. I mean, those are two great areas. It's like, oh, they talk about family in the last chapters of each of those books. Um, or my life when it comes to work. I can look there. I can look at... Uh, the Colossians Col- again. Col- well, yeah, yeah, Colossians. Is it Thessalonians? Mm-hmm. That can talk about that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of places you can go. Just know the scriptures and say, hey, well, what do they say? Because you're not. this isn't about you... Uh, this isn't about you competing. This is about you leading people to the truth and the application of the truth. Awesome. Uh, is there any resources or short training or maybe a summary that you want to give our life group leaders before this week? No. Not right. I mean, you guys came to the serve team training today, so that's a huge training. I don't really have anything in the notes. Uh, and as far as resources, I think the ones that we gave you guys last week could be super helpful, especially uh, the Bruce Ware book that you recommended about the humanity of Christ. It is The Man Christ Jesus by Bruce Ware. All right. Well, Compass, we have several announcements. Pastor Hayden, you want to take them away? Yeah, we have our discipleship now for our students, February 17th through the 19th. Registration is open, and uh, pricing up until February 8th is $60, and each additional student after that is $45. And after February 8th, the price will increase to $75 a student. Men's Fellowship is this Saturday at 9 a.m. We want you guys to encourage the men at our church to be there. Exploring Compass, the next session is February 26th and March 5th. If no one, if you know someone who has not registered for Exploring Compass or completed the two-week uh, session, we'd encourage you to have them sign up for that. And we have our monthly prayer night, February 28th from 5 to 6.30 p.m. We had a really great turnout and a really great prayer night last, uh, last week, and we want to encourage everyone to join us uh, this 26th of February for our next corporate prayer night. All right, Life Group leaders, love you guys. Very grateful for this uh, podcast, and I hope it is uh, helpful for you as you guys navigate your groups this week. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.